Hi, and welcome to Perspectives on Perseverance with Dr. Mark Ballard, President of Northeastern Baptist College in Bennington, Vermont. At NEBC, we are committed to developing the mind of a scholar, the heart of a shepherd, and the perseverance of a soldier. This podcast seeks to provide biblical, historical, and contemporary perspectives on perseverance that will help you persevere in your walk with the Lord and in your service to Him, to His people, and His creation. I'm your host, Joe Ferguson. This is Season 2, Episode 12, and it is a lion's den where we field questions uh, from our listeners, and we ask President Ballard uh, to give us answers to some of the most pressing questions we may have. These questions sometimes cover uh, the very series that we're on. Other times, they are uh, just random questions sent in from our listeners. They can be fun questions. Um, They can be difficult questions. And if you are a consistent listener to the podcast, we would invite you even now, feel free to email your questions to perspectivesonperseverance at nebcvt.org. President Ballard, how are you today? I'm doing well, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's funny to look at you through a computer screen as we've all had to go remote today for this recording. Yeah, it is a little bit different uh, than all of us being in the same room. Of course, Tripper and I experienced that a little bit with you a couple of weeks ago when uh, you were remote, uh, but today yeah. three of us are remote. So uh, anyway, it is a little bit different to uh, do it this way, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, you know, I am too. I'm glad we're able to con- continue on in this. Um, I think if anything, the, the most uh, recent year, 2020, has taught us how to be flexible. And, uh, we, you know, we had to do Zoom just for church the other day again, yeah. uh, just for just for one week because of some other stuff. So, yeah, no doubt. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are becoming Zoom experts uh, this year. That's for sure. I'm, so. I'm learning that. And it's the younger ones. It's it's the kids that are doing Zoom at school. They're becoming experts in it. And, and I've noticed some of the older folks still aren't catching up. Oh, wow. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. So what are you saying to me, Joe? Well, I'm actually not saying anything to you. I was, I, I, I was uh, kind of gently rebuking myself because my students um, in my classes have struggled with me adapting to Zooming uh, for the past few classes we've oh. had with them. And it's, it's very strange because I remember being a student complaining about my own professor's inabilities to use technology. <laughs> uh, technology yeah. Well, I tell you what, I'm, I uh, I use Zoom quite a bit. I actually have uh, had several meetings today uh, that have all been Zoom meetings, uh, and uh, I do that all the time. Actually, uh, even uh, even when there are not requirements uh, for that for health reasons, um, but uh, just uh, it's so convenient uh, to be able to get a bunch of people together from across the country. And um, so, uh, anyway, thankful for the technology. And glad we're able to press forward, and uh, we're on a lion's den, right? So you. Must we have- are, yeah. I think it's a. I think it's time for the first question, and I have a good one for you today, President Ballard. Um, this is actually a recent question uh, that was sent by a listener, and um, I'm really looking forward to hearing your perspective on this. It goes right in line uh, with some of our series, especially on on God and government. Um, but, but here it is. And and I know you like to talk about this one. Why does it appear that those who face more persecution are stronger in their faith than those who experience full religious freedom? Mm. 
I think that's an interesting question. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think the question, Joe, actually has some assumptions to it. Uh, we're assuming uh, issues of, of what is strong faith and so forth. Um, clearly, whenever we go through difficult times, uh, if we learn to lean on the Lord, um, that strengthens uh, our faith. It really gives us an opportunity to exercise our faith. Uh, it's not, though, that uh, some people have more faith, some people have less faith. Uh, each one has been dealt a measure of faith, God's Word tells us. But yeah. it's really about uh, us exercising that faith, just like uh, with muscles. Uh, you, your muscles uh, develop as you use them. Uh, mm-hmm. use them in the wild, it hurts a little more when you use a muscle you haven't used in a while. <laughs> and, and so uh, there are a lot of things that cause us to have to exercise our faith. And uh, it can be persecution. It can also just be trials uh, of various types that come our way. And uh, certainly, uh, if, if we have an uh, easy life in our faith walk, and there are no challenges to our faith, then we probably ought to question whether or not our faith is real. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. Jesus, uh, Jesus was very clear that if we're following him, uh, that we are going to suffer persecution in one way or another. Now, uh, clearly, there is a distinction uh, between uh, people making fun of you or people attacking you verbally and people attacking you physically. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. Uh, however, um, I think that it's not really a question of stronger faith. It's the question of who is your faith in, period. Uh, because if your faith is in the Lord, if you're, if you're firm in understanding who he is, understanding that he is all-powerful, almighty, understanding that he's everywhere at once, understanding that he is true to his promises, understanding that, um, that he is with you and will never leave you and that he loves you, then it actually is a, um, a, a peace that comes into your life that no matter what I face, I'm going to be okay uh, because Jesus is with me. Uh, so, uh, you know, Joe, you've heard me say in, in several different uh, several different scenarios uh, in recent uh, months that uh, I don't really walk in fear about our political environment. I don't really right. walk in fear about uh, the future of persecution. Um, I don't really walk in fear about COVID-19, um, but rather I just know that, hey, God's got it, whatever it's going to be. Um, and I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding of faith, which is probably what reveals the heart of the question. Um, I think that sometimes we think that faith means that uh, a certain outcome is going to take place, uh, that I am going to face persecution without fear, that uh, persecution is may come, but at the last minute I'll be delivered from it. Uh, mm. that, uh, sickness may come, but I'm going to be okay. Um, you know, it, uh, I, everybody around me may get COVID-19, but I'm not going to get COVID-19. Uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, and, and it's because we, we have this idea that, well, I'm just, I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm going to trust God to do this. And, and the problem is, is trusting God is not trusting God to do anything. It's trusting him, period, uh, right. no matter our circumstances or our outcome. Well, and if you don't mind, President Ballard, just one thing that I would add to that, um, I, I understand and I would even 
probably more naturally migrate to a strong, weak faith um, phrasing. Uh, but but what what I've come to realize is faith, and, and I think Hebrews 11 has really informed this. Hebrews, Hebrews 11 and 12 has informed my view of faith, honestly, um, the most. But faith is is not necessarily the knowing the result. Faith is knowing uh, that God knows the results. Uh, faith is knowing that God manages the results. And it's, um, I think, I think those that are the most mature in faith realize the promises of God despite the circumstances of life. Sure. And I think you're right that Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 specifically, um, demonstrates that because, you know, most of the chapter, he's talking about victories that were won by faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's just listing out all of these faith victories. And then when he comes to, to the end, he just runs through these series of, uh, of, of faith uh, moments. Uh, and, and he's like, because time will not, uh, fails me to say. And then he just starts listing out all of these different things. And about halfway through that uh, section, all of a sudden he shifts gears. Uh, you know, he's saying, so for instance, what, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. So all of that sounds really good. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, uh, were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And, and that just sounds so exciting. And then he says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And so he gives these these uh, these big examples of faith. And then he, towards the end of the chapter, he's like, okay, now let me just give you categories. And, and the first set of categories are the things we like. And the second set of categories are the things that are hard. And yet he uses the same terminology for both. And that is that they walked by faith. And again, I think that's because of the object of your faith, because your faith is in God, not in the circumstances. So, for instance, stop the mouths of lions. Certainly, in his mind, was probably Daniel in the lion's den. And, I don't know any other stories. <laughs> yeah, and then and then uh, quench the fire. Very likely thinking of the three Hebrew children in the fire. Mm-hmm. You know who who were delivered from. Of course, neither one of those uh, totally escaped. They both Daniel had to go in the lion's den, and the three Hebrew children had to go into the fiery furnace. Uh, but but they were they they survived. They were taken mm-hmm. care of in the midst of it. But then he turns to those who gave their lives uh, for following God. And so I, I think that uh, the issue really is where is our faith. And yeah. so our faith is firmly resting in the Father's uh, care for us, then, uh, then we will be able to face whatever comes our way day by day and moment by moment. 
Yeah, and 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 one more thought. I'm just going to throw at this because I, I really I think this is a good question. I think it, it gives us a lot in in the realm of per- perseverance. Um, but but the climactic event of all that faith was these died in faith, looking for a homeland. Yeah, uh, these died in faith, looking for. And then in Hebrews 12, the climactic moment of all that's been said thus far in the book of Hebrews is now we. With, with the great cloud of witnesses, but we have come to Mount Zion. We have come to that homeland and we, we await at its gates for our entrance into it. Um, and, and that is the faith that gets through the trials. It's not the faith that says the trial is going to be okay. It's the faith that says at the other end of this trial is my home. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And that is necessary um, whether you're in religious freedom or whether you're under religious persecution. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because if you're if you're not if you're in religious freedom, um, you still must have the faith that this world is not my home, and uh, and the the best is yet to come, and uh, you actually should be exercising your faith even greater ways because of the freedoms you enjoy uh, to do everything you can for the glory of God and get the gospel to everybody you can. Right. So it's really, it's really not that one is is preferable to the other in a spiritual sense or in a uh, faith growth uh, sense, but rather that no matter my lot, you have taught me to say it is well with my soul. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really the, the key there. Yeah. And in Hebrews 11, the, the people come from uh, not only are those that are in places where they're being persecuted by the powers that be, but there's also just the circumstances that would come into life no matter where uh, they lived. You, you see that there's no uh, trial is no respecter of persons. Right. So anyway. All right. So let's uh, let's move on to another question. I think we've got that one uh, pretty well surrounded. Um, I'm going to ask a question uh, more so as a, as a point of privilege uh, being uh, the host here. Uh, we have talked about the three institutions uh, for several months now. You and I have talked about it for a long time. Uh, how do colleges and schools fit into the three institution system that has been highlighted throughout our series? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you you uh, revealed that you're taking a point of personal privilege, and so I I'm- did. I'm just going to ignore your question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be fair. I can, ca- I can call an alumni and have him rephrase the question, so you'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, speaking of which, Tripper is in this Zoom meeting. I could just have him ask the question. <laughs> you could. You could. So, hey, I'll tell you what. Um, I think that's a great question, um, and I, I think it's a great question for this reason. Uh, we do need to understand there are many institutions and, and some are good institutions, some are not good institutions, but there are three God-ordained institutions. And so any other institution becomes secondary to those three. So the, the home is God's first institution. Uh, the right. government, God has given, given them a certain realm over which they are to exercise uh, stewardship of his creation. And the church uh, is the third institution that God has done that. Now, any other institution on this earth, good institution, really uh, serves or should serve to uh, support those other institutions. 
And so as a uh, Christian college in particular, uh, we see ourselves as uh, being in support of the home and being in support of the church. Uh, but neither uh, of those are, in, uh, we're not equal to either of those, and we are neither of those. Um, and so, therefore, uh, we are here to help people develop. Uh, number one, parents entrust their, uh, their, their children to us to teach them and train them. And we see that as a responsibility uh, to God, but also to the home, uh, to those parents. Uh, number two, in relationship to the home, part of our training is uh, helping our students develop and understand what a godly home is and so that they are able to have the kind of godly home that God intends for them to have. Uh, and then also in the same way with the church, uh, we train leaders for the church. We support the church, but the church is still primary. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let, let me give an example. Um, we have a church planning program. And uh, Joe, you know me well enough to know I'm passionate about church planting, and much yes, of my uh, much of my ministry has been in the area of church planting. And um, I have done a lot to try to encourage church planting, even when I was not a church planter, um, because I'm I'm so passionate about it. But uh, Northeastern Baptist College does not plant churches. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, uh, we, we would not do that. Um, right. If we were to partner in any way to plant a church, we would be partnering with a local congregation because right. biblically churches plant churches. And we don't we don't commission missionaries or pastors either. Exactly. For the exact same reason. And so, uh, you know, I, I, people ask me, well, do you ordain pastors to the men? No, we don't. No. Um, now, I have served on ordination councils. In fact, I served on yours. <laughs> you did. Uh, several of our alumni. Uh, yeah. Have, been asked to serve on their councils. Happy to do that. But as you know, from when I served on yours, and then another you and I served on together, that I always make it the point that, hey, this is a local church decision. The council mm -hmm. is just to ask questions and make a recommendation to a local church. And, and so, and even in that capacity, I was not representing Northeastern Baptist College. I was just serving in that capacity right. on behalf of that local church right. uh, because I'm an ordained minister myself. And so we must always distinguish. The other thing that sometimes is confusing to people about that, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm glad, even though it was your question, you asked it and I'm going, going with this, is because <laughs> sometimes people get the idea that the, the college is like over the churches. And right. Yeah, no. <laughs> we like, you know, tell churches what to do. And, you know, I've actually had people come to me and say, you know, there's this church over here and uh, you as president of the college need to need to address this and fix this problem in this church. <laughs> and, and, you know, I listen kindly. And then I look at them and say, uh, listen, I'm not that I'm not a member of that church. Right. I have no authority over that church. And uh, and, you know, if you're a member of it, then you can go talk to your pastor. Uh, and your church leadership about your concerns. But uh, the college has no, uh, there's no hierarchy uh, of um, authority in Baptist life. And uh, I don't, uh, I don't believe that there should be in anybody or mm -hmm. in, in any denomination. The fact is, mm -hmm. is the local church is an autonomous body of believers uh, united together 
under the Lordship of Christ to fulfill the purpose of the church. And uh, so that's what they do. And so uh, our, our job is to encourage, to support, to help. And we do that in many ways, including, including you know, public supply when people are without pastors, churches are without pastors and so forth. So, so uh, we are an institution, but uh, we are a secondary institution. Right. God's institutions are first and foremost the home and the government and the church. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, that's exactly the answer I assumed, but I, I felt like it needed to be asked and said. Um, I think it, it adds some uh, good parameters to our series that we've gone through. And uh, the one other thing I would add just about about our college that I love um, as, a, as a faculty member at Northeastern Baptist College is I am required to be a member of a local church. That's right. Um, and my membership at that local church takes precedent over my uh, my working at the college. And, and I, no, normatively, there are no disagreements uh, between the college and my local church. Praise the Lord. Um, but we require that of all our faculty and, and including the president. We're all members of local churches that bear the, the, the institutional responsibility of care for our souls. Amen. And, and not only that, Joe, but you also know that if you're a student at Northeastern Baptist College, you're required to be engaged in a local church. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and that's a good question. You know, I've had people ask me, well, why don't you just have a campus church? Uh, there are some <laughs> colleges. Christian college. I got asked that last week. <laughs> you really? I uh, there are some colleges that uh, that do that. And I understand that. But it's because uh, you can have a campus chapel. We have them twice a week, uh, but you cannot have a campus church because mm. uh, because the fact is, is there's no way that we can actually fulfill the purpose of the church as the New Testament describes it as, as a call. Right. So. right. All right. Let's uh, let's change gears uh, with one more question, and um, actually we might get two more in here depending on how uh, easy this one is to answer. But it's Thanksgiving. Uh, this week, many people um, will gather around the table and carve the turkey or some uh, like my family will probably carve a prime rib. Um, <laughs> but uh, the question is this, President Ballard, what is your family tradition on Thanksgiving? <laughs> and, and just be careful, because in some states you can't you can't include more than 10 people. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that is that is absolutely true right now. That's what they're telling us. Um, you know, um, Joe, um, it is turkey. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> as much as I like beef better than turkey. Uh, in fact, I could avoid turkey all the time, except I usually want turkey on Thanksgiving. And quite frankly, I usually like it on Christmas, too. But uh, I, you know, I really just feel like radio when it comes to what kind of meat do you want on Thanksgiving or Christmas? Why not both? I mean, <laughs> I'm fine with either one. <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, you know, since since we're doing uh, smaller gatherings in parts of the country, should we uh, just do chickens this year? And I said, no, that's terrible. <laughs> we need chicken anytime. Yeah, uh, come on now. <laughs> but, you know, we've had a lot of different family traditions. Um when I was a when I was a kid, um, very often uh, that was a hunting day for us. So uh, my my we would all get up early in the morning, about five in the morning, and all the guys would go off hunting somewhere, and uh, usually rabbit hunting or pheasant hunting or something along those lines. 
And uh, then uh, my mom and my sisters would cook all morning. And about two in the afternoon, we'd, we would come home and clean up and have Thanksgiving dinner together. And, and uh, I always say growing up, uh, I never had a, uh, a warm Thanksgiving meal. I didn't know what hot turkey and, and mashed potatoes and gravy tasted like because uh, we would go around the table. My dad would, would have us go around the table and everybody say something they're thankful for. <laughs> and uh, he would wrap it up and he would preach about a 20 minute sermon to us about Thanksgiving. And then he would list out a bunch of stuff he was thankful for. So sometime about an hour after we sat down, we actually got to taste the food and it was usually cold, but, uh, but it was, uh, it's a good memory. It's a fun memory. Um, but uh, then uh, Cindy and I got married and we worked at a children's home and uh, we took care of uh, kids, uh, boys, uh, kindergarten through fourth grade, uh, 24-7 or 24-5. We got two days off, but we still lived there. We had somebody else primarily taking care of them during those two days. And so we had different um, different holidays through the year where we could take turns with other house parents. We would watch each other's kids and get a get a break. And so we uh, we made it uh, our deal that we were going to go home at Christmas every year uh, and Thanksgiving, we would stay and work. So we worked through Thanksgiving and uh, we would have uh, kids from three other units plus our own, uh, some who would get to go with a sponsor or something. But we would have we, we would have uh, a handful of kids and us uh, at home and uh, working at the children's home. It was in Dallas, Texas. And so uh, every year we, we got uh, tickets to go to the Dallas Cowboy game on Thanksgiving. Oh, and, wow. What a memory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we would like eat uh, lunch. Uh, that was back when they were winning, right? Uh, that was back when they were winning. Yeah. That seems like it's been a while. But anyway, it was. It was during good years. And uh, so we would uh, eat, eat a Thanksgiving dinner about 11 in the morning. And then uh, we would go to a uh, Dallas Dallas Cowboy football game in the afternoon. And uh, after that, when we moved into church planting, um, most of our life we've been a uh, long ways removed from family. And so uh, at different times we've done different things. We would, uh, we, we've cooked a lot of Thanksgiving dinners and invited people over from church that had nowhere to go and, and uh, kind of had those, those kinds of things and made that our family. Uh, but honestly, uh, since we moved to New England in 1998, um, we have found that there's not been a lot of people that like uh, wanted to come over uh, Thanksgiving. Um, and so they either had somewhere to go or else they want to spend it alone. And so we said, you know what, uh, we're not going to keep cooking a big Thanksgiving dinner for two of us. And then, uh, then when Ben joined our family for three of us, and so uh, this is the, the, the tradition I'm sure you were after. Uh, we started um, in 1999, I think it was, uh, we started uh, going out to eat on Thanksgiving Day. Um, I, it's, we love it because we don't have to do all the cooking and cleaning. Uh, <laughs> Cindy, Cindy gets pies ready for the week. So all, all next week we'll have pies around. Uh, in fact, I have to be honest, we, we already started. I had a piece of pumpkin pie for lunch today. Oh. But, uh, anyway, so we always have pies around, but uh, as far as cooking a big Thanksgiving dinner and everything, we, we usually go out. And since starting Northeastern Baptist College, uh, whenever people are uh, here, whether it's students or staff, uh, faculty, 
that um, don't have a place to go on Thanksgiving, and we we invite them to go with us, and we yeah. we go out to eat somewhere for Thanksgiving meal, and then come home and watch football. Yeah, well, those are some great traditions, President Ballard. I uh, I think uh, for my for me personally, it's um, it's just getting together with my parents and uh, finding out what crazy new dish my father conceived, um, oh. whether it be watching the Food Channel. Uh, I think the past few years we've done some sort of steak um, for, for our, our Thanksgiving, but there's always a, a turkey or a turkey leg somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you've got to pay homage to the pilgrims with the turkeys. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, it's either, you know, that or, and, and I always say that I'm just glad Ben Franklin didn't get his way with the turkey. Oh, I know. Could you, you imagine know, if that was the protected make, bird? Yeah. He wanted us to make, uh, for turkey to be the, uh, national bird. And I always say that, uh, that means we would be eating eagles for, for Thanksgiving and we just can't do that, so. Anyway. I don't know if it means that, but I'll, I'll let um, you have that one for Thanksgiving. So, well, President Ballard. Give me a last question before I get myself in more trouble. <laughs> All right, last question. Here it is. 2020 has been a rough year. What are you thankful for despite that? Ah, that's great. You know, uh, I think uh, that's very important uh, because the fact is, is God's word says something that we need to understand. He says, in everything, give thanks. Yes. He doesn't say for everything, give thanks. Not everything is good, uh, but in everything, give thanks. And even in 2020, uh, we can give thanks. There's a lot of things I'm thankful for. I'm, I'm thankful for my relationship with Christ and uh, mm. my, my constant uh, uh, comfort of the Holy Spirit and knowing that um, he is not, never going to leave us or forsake us that no matter what uh, 2020 brings or 2021 brings or anything else that um, that we're secure in him. Uh, so I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm grateful for my wife uh, who has been so faithful uh, to me and, and to our son for all of these years. Uh, you know, Cindy's made a lot of sacrifices so that we could, uh, do what God has called us to do. And she's always uh, been faithful to do that. Even in fact, when at times when I wasn't so sure about the sacrifices, something mm -hmm. was going to cost, uh, encouraging, hey, God will take care of us. Let's just uh, press forward. Uh, yeah. We're thankful for our son, Ben. Um, he's such a uh, blessing and a joy in our lives. And uh, we're so thankful for him. Thankful for Northeastern Baptist College and what God is doing through the college. Um, it's amazing to me that in 2020, we are getting close to 150 people having come to faith in Christ uh, through the ministries of uh, our students, staff, and faculty. And um, in a year like this, where we've had so many hindrances to being able to communicate one-on-one -on -one with people in, in person, uh, yet God has, uh, has given us opportunities in the time that we've had to to see that many trust Christ, and that's that's been that's really a great blessing. And quite frankly, I could be like my dad and go on for an hour. <laughs> I think I better stop there. I'm I'm thankful for uh, all of our faculty and staff, all of our students. I'm thankful for um, the sacrifices that all of our faculty and staff make, including uh, Joe and Tripper. Guys, uh, I really am. I mean that. I'm thankful to the Lord for you guys and uh, for. Uh, making uh, making this podcast not only uh, 
not only hopefully edifying to others and the work that both of you put into making that happen, but also uh, a little bit of fun along the way. <laughs> yeah, President Ballard, thank you. And I, I co-sign that. I'm uh, thankful for all those things. Uh, and uh, I'm thankful for the, the college we work at. Um, it is a blessing uh, to be at Northeastern Baptist College. It's a blessing to record this podcast with you guys. And I am thankful for our listeners. Uh, they join us. They listen in. They send their questions. And uh, they are learning and growing and uh, being challenged week by week to persevere. Um, and, and I hope and pray that this Thanksgiving is a blessing for them. I hope that they're able to persevere through the rest of 2020 and, uh, and find thanks in uh, what God has given them despite the difficulties. Uh, we're glad you join us. We hope that if you have any questions about Northeastern Baptist College, you check us out online at nebcvt.org. If you'd like to send a question for the lion's den, you can do so at perspectives on perseverance at nebcvt.org. We're so thankful for you. We pray God's blessings on you this Thanksgiving. And no matter what today may bring, persevere and have a great day in Jesus. From the heart of the Northeast, for the hearts of the Strengthened all